Graham Russell of the iconic duo Air Supply, achieving seven consecutive top five singles and topping the charts in a multitude of countries, is our special guest on episode one of our new season three of Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Hello, Graham Russell. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. We, we first met. Um, well, actually, we have a, a mutual my, a friend, uh, Mike Zerby, plays in your band yeah. and, uh, and has on, on and off for many years. And I think the first time we met was maybe in Las Vegas, but then we've also met in Tokyo and hung out a little bit in different places. Yeah, I, I remember in Vegas, we, we came to see your Cirque show you were playing in. And then, but we did meet in Tokyo, too. Yeah, I yeah that's... very well. I think you brought two people with you as well. Yeah, well, you have a much, you have a better memory than me. <laughs> I'm sure they were I'm sure they were <laughs> nice people. Memory, I'm blessed with. You know. Yeah, yeah, you have to right with all the lyrics and everything else. Yeah. Um, so, what have you been doing? I obviously COVID's been a challenge, and you guys actually like to tour quite a bit normally. So, how how has that been for you this past year, just kind of dealing with that stuff? Uh, I I think the same for everyone. It took a while to get used to not playing. You know, um, at first it was oh we got a few days off, then it was. It turned into a year, but you know I've actually enjoyed it. Uh, I made a conscious effort to be creative and make use of the time. And you know I've been really busy the whole time. I never really took a vacation or anything. Well, because you couldn't really go anywhere. But I've enjoyed the time. I've been writing every day, of course, and I have different projects that I work on, and people ask me to write for. You know, so I've been very busy, and it's been great. Uh, it also allowed me to you know, stay at home a lot, of course, and to get my chops at my piano chops and my guitar chops going again, which is good. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, I, I think that's the thing, like, you know, musicians or creators in general, like we have to, that's sort of part of our DNA, right? We have to be doing something. You can't, it's hard to yeah. just sit there and not create something. Yeah. In, in fact, the other day, I said to myself, I'm going to not do anything today, but I felt really guilty, you know, and I was <laughs> around watching the TV and I thought, oh God, I can't do it. I had to get up and do something. I had to get up and play, you know, yeah. but it is in our very being, you know. Well, it's awesome about you guys. I mean, especially as a, you know, as a musician myself, as a sideman, what's great is when you find an act that has so many hit songs, but that likes to work because as you know, some of them don't necessarily like to do that. They just kind of maybe want to sit at home and. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I need to I need to write songs every day. I just do. You know, I have a lot of, as I said, I have projects I'm working on. Uh, you know, I write musicals now too, so I'm I'm involved in those, and uh, so I'm always doing something, and I'm always looking for something to do. But when I, funnily enough, when I'm not uh, working on songs, uh, I'm a, an avid gardener as well, which is probably ah. surprise you. <laughs> but I, I love grow, I love growing things. You know. Yeah, and it's like when you've been on your road on the road your entire life, it's nice to have like that's a really kind of a, a touchstone for hey, I'm home. I'm gonna go and get into that mode, right? With your headspace. Yeah. It's a great balance for me. And where I live, which is kind of rather rural, it's a, a, a lovely balancing act for the road, which can be quite frenetic. And you know, your your whole day is planned for you, you know, and you have free time, but you have to be at certain places at certain times. You know what it's like. Yeah. Um nice to come home and, and have that time to myself and just plod along and get in my garden and uh 
and grow things, you know. I sound a bit like George Harrison, don't I? <laughs> he was a big garden too. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I, I got into photography for that reason, just to have something completely different from music, right? Just to kind of switch switch gears a little. And Yeah, but, you know, it's funny because I find myself, if I'm working on a new song, which I always am, I'm in the garden, you know, and I'm singing this song and I can't get it out of my head. So I'm I'm moving plants around and I'm so I can't get away from it. I'm still singing this song, you know. Yeah, but that's it's, how the, that little voice in your head, right? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. They never, they never, they never still. Yeah, I totally hear that. Um, you, um, so you're from Nottingham originally, which is, of course, that's sort of a fabled place in in England, <laughs> I guess. It, it is. Yeah, I'm I'm from Nottingham. Yeah, I'm one of the few musicians I think that came from Nottingham that achieved uh, notoriety outside of England. I think mm. uh, there are a few. One of them is uh, Alvin Lee from Ten Years After, and there's a few others, but not ma- not many. So I'm holding, I'm holding the flag up, you know. <laughs> well, that's great. And uh, so you, at a young age, you got involved in and really developed a love for poetry. Tell me about yeah. how that kind of came for about for you. And obviously, it paid dividends down the road for songwriting. And yeah, it really did. I mean, I think, you know, I, I didn't know I was going to be a songwriter, but when I I really got into poetry as a as a kid, as a teenager, and at school, uh, actually in my poetry class i was the only boy in the like 33 34 girls uh, which was a bit strange you know but yeah. i wanted to take it and i was just pulled towards that plus uh, where i come from in nottingham there are a lot of very famous poets lived in centuries past you know so it's part of the nottingham uh, culture if you like but i just uh, gravitated towards it because i love i love reading i'm an avid reader and uh, and i love to read the great poets, you know, uh, right. by Shelley and Keats. I love all those. Uh, and I just gravitate, gravitated towards it and I really enjoyed it. I didn't, you know, a lot of people study poetry because they really have to, but I didn't have to, I wanted to. And uh, of course, later on, it was, it paid dividends for me with lyrics and, um, and then writing my own poetry. I've had, I think I'm on my fourth poetry book now. Probably. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's all part of the, writing songs and the lyrics, because I, I put a lot of emphasis on lyrics, you know, not just the music. Uh, and, you know, the older I get and the more experienced I get at songwriting, the more there is to learn. And it's not just writing lyrics to a, a, a song. It's, it's, it goes a lot deeper than that for me, you know, and it has to really uh, speak. Uh, and, uh, and I know when it's finished and I know when it's not finished and when it's yeah. not right. But that's yeah. a great, the great reward about any profession, I think, is really understanding it. And it takes a long time. You know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, the thing about, you know, obviously, like your songs have been some of the most successful ever written, I, I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you've got to be in the very top end of that as far as songs that have been sold and played and, and all that. Um, mm. And the reason is because they're stories. People fall in love with the story and the song. Mm. It's a lot of, you're known for your love songs, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Air Supply. Um, so what, what, when you when you think about writing, is it you generally are you thinking of a story? Or are you thinking of just certain words that work well together? What's what's the process for you? Well, for me, uh, there has to be a story. And you know, when I first got it, started to work on musicals a, a long time ago, uh, you know, people would give me the the book or the scriptwriter would give me a scene, and so I would have to create a story in that scene. But a scene, of course, has parameters. So I would then create the song around that scene. So I used that later on in my songwriting. But the first thing 
in a song, for me at least, there has to be a story. You know, there's got to be a beginning, there's got to be content, and then there's got to be a, a fulfillment at the end. There's got to be an ending. So yeah, payoff, sort of. It's, yeah, it's quite a difficult task, I think, to create a story in like three and a half minutes. You've got to have a, you've got to have this story that gets people involved. You've got to get them engaged in the character, if there's a character or more than one. And then you've got to have this song, musical thing that gets people hooked in and right. want engages them and wants and makes them listen to it again. So it's kind of a, a large task, but it's something that I just love, you know. And, and it's a challenge every time. I just love writing a story, a, a short story. You know, it's great. Right. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's great to learn different i guess and everybody has sort of a different process for creating you know yeah. and, and also being kind of a really important part of what you said is being able to self-edit being able to like figure that out in that three minute three and a half minutes time span how that's all going to work right yeah i think for me the the ultimate short shortest short story in a song for me was lost in love uh, but, and lost in love you know it only has four chords in it and so it, it's it happens very quickly but with that song, you know, it, it engages you in the first two, two lines. You know what this guy's all about. I realize yeah. the best things in love are the thinnest slice. So this guy's got a, he's been hurt and he's got a couple of problems. You know that straight away. So yeah. then you've got to figure out why has he got a few problems and, oh, he's going to be all right. <laughs> and because he said, well, lift your eyes if you feel you can and I'll show you a plan. So he's gonna, he's hoping to get out of this problem. So you see, there is a, a very succinct short story with right. four, and it was amazing how it, how people gravitated towards that song uh, because it's so, there's not a lot going on in it, you know, right. but it it was the, the gesture of the song, what it's saying, it's very positive, you know. Yeah, they say often that some of the best songs ever written were written in 10 minutes. It's when, when people oh, overthink oh, when I, people overthink them, then it's <laughs> getting away the process, right? Yeah, you know, I, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I know you are too. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, But when, you know, as I was growing up, and, and I learned from all the Beatles songs, uh, you know that some of those songs were written really quickly. Yeah. You know, I read that on the set of A Hard Day's Night, they had two or three songs that they didn't have. And they just wrote them right there on the spot, like I should have known better. And you can understand it, uh, certainly coming from Lennon McCartney. But when you hear those stories, you go, oh, my, they encapsulated something that was in the air. And right. they just pulled it out and put it in a song in, a, in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And when you, you know when that song, what, that's one of those songs, you know, you just know it. And so growing up with that, paradigm for me was so important and it you know I always look back at my childhood listening to the Beatles running home to watch uh, Pop Go the Beatles on the BBC and it was it was Tuesday night and it was at, on at 5 or 5 30 it was on half an hour and the Beatles were playing live in the studio and I was just enraptured by it it was just but I had no idea that it I was it was formulating my own career later right. on but uh, it's it's funny those moments like those guys i mean obviously so influential and and just you can imagine the millions of people and people that are household names that were all tied to the beatles it's pretty amazing if you think oh, about it amazing yeah and also uh when you think that you know they only performed from like early 63 and their last performance was in 1966 right 
part you go hang on a minute three maybe four years they were playing yeah. um surprise been together for 46 years in a few weeks and and they accomplished a hundred times what we have in 46 years they accomplished that in three and it's quite um, incredible and wow i mean i'm so fortunate to have grown up with beatles music you know because yeah that was really i mean your formative years that was a magical time in music right <laughs> Oh, it, I mean, I loved it. I mean, the the six, growing up in the sixties, you know, the Mods and the Rockers, the Beatles and Woodstock and all yeah. that. It, great, but you know, every decade has a, a beautiful uh, capsule with it. You know, the seventies was great, then the eighties, and we were, you know, somewhat influential in the eighties, the nineties. Right. It's it's all a different uh, a different thing. It's weird how music does change every decade. It seems to change, you know. Yeah, but I think I think the great, you know, the great songs, the great love stories and songs and stuff that just that's timeless, right? Like those songs are just and the thing is with with air supply in particular, like I know it, like in places like Asia, I mean literally all around the world, you guys go and and you're rock stars and you know even like Cuba, we were talking with Mike Zerby about you did a live yeah. show in Cuba with I mean how many thousands of people? There was almost 200,000 people there. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And and that was 12 years ago and I think that was the biggest crowd we've ever played to. I mean, people do it often now, you know, Beyonce and all these other artists, they play right. to a few crowds. But then it was kind of, for us at least, it was it was a, a phenomenon. And yeah. we we thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. Uh, but, you know, we do have an affinity, certainly with, with the Asian people uh, from all the Asian countries, and also with Latin people from the, all the Latin countries. We, they really love our music, you know, yeah, probably they, they love a good love song. <laughs> they do, you know, uh, they really do. And I mean, I feel very fortunate every day I wake up and I think, God, you know, what a great life I've got. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I live a nice life and uh, and I get to do what I want to do every day. And I kind of make my own decisions during the day. And uh, and I'm able to do what I love to do, which is not what everybody gets to do, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think um I know you believe in in fate as that's a big part of your your um your life. And I remember I, I read the story that you saw the air supply name in a dream. Tell me, tell me that story. Well, we were Russell and I were in Jesus Christ Superstar, you know. So yeah. we had a very theatrical beginning. And that was uh, in is it Sydney, right? In Australia. It was in in Australia, yeah. We taught Australia yeah. Zealand for almost two years. And that's where we met. We met on the first day, you know. Yeah. And we became great friends, even the first day. And as soon as I heard Russell's voice, I went, oh, my God, you know, yeah. that's the voice. That's the voice uh, I need. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a per the perfect pop voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. And I knew it. You know, I knew yeah. it. I sat next to him on the first choral run through with the musical director. Mm -hmm. And there were 35 or so people. And being sitting there, I'd never done that before. And all these people singing the same thing was like, whoa, I almost yeah. le uh, levitated. It was incredible. <laughs> so the, Russell was right next to me. I hadn't met him. But after that chorus run through, I, I introduced myself, you know, and straight in, I said, oh, I'm Graham Russell. He said, oh, uh, I said, what a great voice you got. And he said, oh, we have the same name. I'm Russell Hitchcock. So straight away. Yeah, it's, was, like a, it's like a twins. <laughs> you was, you know, yeah. And we started talking and, you know, we, we were both, we were born, Russell's a year older than me, but we were born, we're both June babies, born three days 
he's I'm the eleventh and he's the fifteenth. So yeah. we had that, that affinity, right? And then we started talking about the Beatles, like we just did. And he said, "Yeah, I saw them in '64 in Melbourne." And I said, "Well, I saw them in '64 in England, you know." And so <laughs> here we go. We got this affinity. Yeah, you but have anyway, a common you have a common language, right? We did have a we had a lot of things in common, and so we created this little band. And we played in the evening after Superstar would finish. And, uh, but we didn't have a name, you know, and we were at a record coming out. And the producer of the record said, you've got to have a name by tomorrow morning. And we had all these silly <laughs> names, I don't even remember them. So we decided whoever had the best name the next morning, we would go with. And that night I had this dream and I dreamt of this big billboard and it was completely white. And on the perimeter were all these flashing lights and they were going on and off. And then <laughs> the center of the white billboard in big black bold letters were two words and it said air supply. Wow. And I, wow, what does that mean? And it just stuck with me. And I met Russell the next morning and I said, do you have a name? And he says, no, I didn't, I didn't have one. I said, well, I, got, I told him about the dream and air supply. He said, wow. I don't know what it means, but maybe we should go with it. So we did, you know, and we didn't know what it means, and we still don't. But uh, <laughs> it, it was just what it is, you know. Yeah, it's the universe giving you a gift. <laughs> well, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I know. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm, I I believe if you if you take a step forward, the universe is going to help you take the next one too. Uh, I've thought about that for many many years, but I think it was a divine intervention. And, it was weird that we were in Superstar and we had, you know, this dream, kind of a spooky dream. Yeah. And there, then we had the name for the band and that was it, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I think the universe does give us gifts. It's just it's a whether or not you pay attention. Because <laughs> some well, people don't. Know, right? That is so true. And I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, when people ask me, talk, ask me about uh, songwriting and I occasionally I give master classes at universities. And, and they asked me that and they and they say, well, how do you how do you write a song? Where does it come from? And I and I said, I always say, I don't know. I just I just tune in to what's around me and I hear it and I feel it. And I say the universe gives it to you. They're all everything's everywhere. Yep. You've got to pay attention. Yep. And that's what I tell them. You know, you've got to pay attention. Listen. Uh, and sometimes I'm I struggle if I struggle with a with, with a lyric or a title or something. Uh, I think about it for a long time. I go, that's not right. And then I forget about it. And then during the day, I'll, I'll think of something and I'll go, God, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It works itself I, out. <laughs> let it go. I let it go to hold it, you know. Mm. So yeah, it's, I mean, sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of back to that thing like some of the best songs are written like effortlessly, they just flow out of you. And that's you sort yeah. of tap, tapping into that, that consciousness, right? It, it's that consciousness. Yeah. It really is. And uh, I'm a big believer in that. And I can tell you are. And I always try to tell people that, you know, it's all around you. You've got to pay attention yep. and listen to what's going on, you know. And if you do, you'll hear things, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's your, you know, yeah, we, are, you know, we not to get too esoterical, but we have our guides to try to help us out. We just got to pay attention. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, I really believe that. You know, it's funny because, I mean, this is a little weird, but, Often, you know, in, in my studio, which is down in my bottom level of my house, uh, I my big grand piano there, and uh, I play that. And sometimes, and I also have a, uh, one of the very few 
bronze statues, full size of John Lennon next to me. Oh, wow. Awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. he's like three feet away from the piano. And he's just looking down, got his arms folded, and he's looking down at the piano. <laughs> but I swear to God, if I'm working on something and I go, oh, I kind of like that, I'll hear something move in the room, you know. Yeah. And I know something's going on. I don't know what it is. And yeah. I don't try to figure it out. But I'll, I'll hear something move. It'll go, oh, some, and I'll go, whoa. And it gets my attention. And right, then yeah. I'm on the right track. So it's yeah. kind of... Uh, I've had those. I've had those experiences. We'll talk about that someday. <laughs> oh really? Oh, there you go. Oh, oh yes. So yeah, I do. I do a lot of ghost hunting stuff and and all that. But uh, yeah. Oh, we, far out. Oh, that's tremendous. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, talk about that another. Time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So tell me about like when you guys you had the your first record out in in, in Australia that was successful, and then yeah. you got offered a tour with Rod Stewart, which of course was a big thing, and that kind of took you to a whole other level, right? It did. It took us to a, a couple of levels. The first level was, well, the reason we, we were asked to open with Rod Stewart was we had a big hit record. Our first record was a big hit. And uh, it was, at, I think it was at number one or number two or something. Uh, what, but, was the, what was the name of that song? Or the, yeah, the main nobody really knew who we were. Oh, okay. We were just out of Superstar only a few weeks. And you know, it was Air Supply. They said, oh, yeah, Air Supply, that song, Love and Other Bruises. It was all over the radio. So mm -hmm. they asked us, because we were popular at that time, we got asked to open for Rod in Australia. And awesome. we opened for him, which was incredible. I mean, sure. being backstage, and he was the biggest act in the world then. And I was, Russell and I were backstage, right? We'd done our set, and then Rod came out, and he was going to go on. And he comes over, and he starts talking to us, you know, and he was the biggest act in the world. And, I, and yeah. I'm pinching myself. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Um, How did this happen? <laughs> I'm from Nottingham. I'm standing here. Rod right. Stewart is having a conversation with me. And, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> but he liked what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And he asked us to come and open for him in the US. And we couldn't believe it. We said, oh, my God. Is this a dream or something? Mm -hmm. So anyway... We, we opened for him and we learned so much about musicianship, how to engage an audience, yep. what to do with an audience, how to speak with them, uh, being on time. And, and all his whole band were all the world's top musicians in their field, you know, right. with uh, Carmine Peace, uh, uh, all these great yeah, it's a long list. <laughs> it's a long list. And we were just in the middle of them and learning everything. Um, and so it brought us up to that uh, that consciousness of what they think about. We kind of forgot what's going on in Australia. This right. was what's going on in America and consequently the world. Yeah. And we played, you know, Madison Square Gardens, all these big places. And we thought, yeah, we've really learned a lot. We came back to Australia. And we had to start again. They'd forgotten all about us. Oh, wow. That's the second thing we learned. We learned how to be resilient. And in the face of uh, uh, obscurity, which we were faced with, we learned how to get in those trenches again. And Russell and I said to each other, we said, you know, we've done it once. We can do it again. Right. And so that's what we did. We we had to play again in all these, in the pubs. That's really in Australia. It's all the places you could play. And uh, they were hard rock places, places that the angels, uh, 
uh, ACDC were playing the same right. venue, you know, and we'd come and out. And you're coming in with the love songs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we got killed. Right. We had beer bottles thrown at us and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, because we're the people we are, we, we didn't run away from it. We faced it and said, hey, you know, we've got some great songs here we're going to sing you. And whatever you do, we're going to sing them anyway. Right. Uh, we played a venue in King's Cross in Sydney. And the, uh, you know, we had to do two sets. We do an hour set, then we have a break, and we do another set. And nobody came to the venue, right? Nobody came at all. And the guy, the guy said, there's nobody here. Uh, he said, I'll pay you half the money if, if you just do one set, then leave, you know. Oh, we wow. said, oh, we were booked for, for two <laughs> sets. We want, we're going to play them. And right. we want on it. Not that it was much. But it was that kind of thing. And so playing to nobody can really uh, uh, boost your confidence when you have an audience. You know? yeah. Well, I especially mean, when, when you've been really successful and you sort of have to reinvent yourself. But that's a great moment, right? It teaches you. Yeah. yeah. So one minute we were opening for Rod at Madison Square Gardens. And I think we did two nights then. And two months later, we were in King's Cross playing to nobody. Now think about that. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> Where are we going from here? We, right. Is it over for us? And we says, no, it's not. And then, so we we dug deep and uh, and we came back, you know. Mm. We had to. Yeah, oftentimes that's the thing, like the success part, you know, you have to, for, I mean, first of all, you have to figure out how to navigate that and not get messed up and, and have yeah. the issues that a lot of folks we know have had. But then yeah. the other part of it is dealing with the downside, right? Because you're, you're not going to stay number one forever yeah. you're going to have to shift gears or figure out okay now where do we go how do we work right yeah exactly and you're right we could have gone down that slippery slope you know got into uh drinking a lot got into drugs stuff like that but you know we never did yeah and awesome. i don't know how we didn't but we didn't and you know when we were out with rod it was all over the place you know but we never got into it and had, had we got into it, it would have certainly given us a false sense of identity and success, but we never did. We would, with Rod in particular, and Superstar, we were all about learning, mm. learning the craft. Yeah, it was Learn college, it was university for you, right? We went to the University of Rock and Roll, yeah. yeah. In, in Superstar, which was theatre, and then Rock and Roll, which was Rod Stewart. And then when we'd finished with those, we were ready to do our own thing, I think. But it still took a lot of effort and, and a lot of luck. We had a, we've had a lot of luck, which once again, is the universe giving you a hand saying, right. okay, it's, I, go for it. You know. All the stars aligning. <laughs> That's right. They're all lining up. And I, I right. do believe in that too. It, when everything's right, there's, a, there's an energy that you feel. Mm -hmm. and you've got to get on that wave and go with it. Yep. You know? I always say it's like surfing. When that when that it's, swell comes up, you got to be prepared and ready to ready to go. <laughs> absolutely. And you're going to come off that surfboard now and again. But yeah. uh, it's, it's how and when you climb back on that, uh, that matters. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not about life's problems. It's about how you deal with them and how you perceive them. If they're if they're teachable moments, then it can be positive. <laughs> yeah, depends. I think you're so right. I think every moment is a teachable moment. Everything that comes up, it's a challenge and it's an opportunity to do something with it. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, and I think what, uh, the older you get, the, you become a little wiser, I hope. And uh, you think about those things and uh, try hmm. to solve. 
solve life's problems as they come, you know. Yeah, yeah. Learning, learning is uh, it's important to pay attention. Like I said, you, you know, we have those little voices in our head, but oftentimes people just don't pay attention to those. <laughs> they, they, like I know better than that. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So yeah. true. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time, as all creative people do, you know, on on your own. I, I like my my own time. I go in my studio for sometimes long periods, but and sometimes I just sit there and I just listen to the birds. You know, they're out here right now. Uh, and I start thinking about things, and then things happen. They do. If once you get everything in perspective and get all the little things you've got to deal with, get them all in a row and deal with them one at a time, and then then things happen. You know. How, how important is collaboration? Like when when you're writing, are you typically writing by yourself, or you you and Russell talk about lyrics too? How, how does that work for you guys? Well, Russell doesn't write lyrics or anything, and he oh, never okay. has. Uh, funny enough, I've tried to get him to write lyrics for several decades. Hmm. And I say to him, you know, why don't you write some things? Because I know you feel them because you right. sing these lyrics. I know you feel them. Why don't you write some of your own and, and I'll sort them out. I'll put them into rhyme and I'll make them fit. But he, he's, he says he's very intimidated because, because I've had so much success with songs. He says, I can't give you lyrics. You know, you're the guy that writes all the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. But, and so he doesn't, but I wish he would, uh, because any collaborative input is good. I think you know. Yeah. I, over the, over the years, I haven't written with a lot of songwriters, uh, but I do write with them now and again. You know, there's a, uh, you know, I've written with David Foster and Jay Graydon, who are from. Right. Uh, David's obviously still extremely popular. Yeah. Jay Graydon was from a long time ago, from the 80s, a guitar player. Yeah, you know? Jay, Jay's amazing. Yeah, yeah he is, yeah. But, uh, you know, I write with a few people, but I spend so much time on my own. It's, it's quicker, more often than not, for me to just write on my own. Instead of telling people how to do it or what to do, what this song needs, I'll just do it, you know. Yeah, well, and obviously, you know what you're doing. <laughs> You've been very successful at it. I do, but, you know, funnily enough... Uh, I'm sure this is the same for all songwriters. You do doubt yourself sometimes, right. you know. I mean, I've been writing songs for almost 60 years, you know. But sometimes I go, oh, God, is this good? Or is it just that I like this song? Or is it all of the people going to like it? So you do question yourself, even after all this time. But I, you, think, you, I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. When you, when you write songs like some of your biggest hits, I mean, do you, do you know their hits or, or do you never know? Uh, I used to know all the time, I think. I knew when All Out of Love was, arrived, and that was that was a, a quick song too. But, but I, I had a feeling about that. It, it just flowed. And plus, it was the first song I wrote on the piano ever. Huh. Uh, and I was doubting my ability on the piano. I used to kind of plonk around them. Hmm. Um, and so the song came along, and I thought, oh, this is really cool. But And I think that... With that song in particular, it had a lot to do with the fact that I was so pleased with myself for being able to write a song on the piano, my first one. Yeah. Uh, but then I knew that was going to be a big song, you know. Um, I, I knew the one that you love was too. Uh, well, when I say I knew, I don't mean to that in an ego egotistical way. I just right. thought this is this has got a big chance. You know? Yeah, it has a familiar feeling with other hits that you've had, like you know, that, that you have that energy, right? Where it's like, oh, we're, we're on yeah. to something. <laughs> yeah. And I think each, every songwriter has their own style. 
you know, and I certainly, I, I see my style in my songs, obviously. I, you know, sometimes I go towards the same chords and I try consciously not to do that. Uh, you know, when you hear a Burt Bacharach song, for instance, you know it's a Burt Bacharach song, right. which is cool. And I'm, I'm a big Burt Bacharach fan too. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we all have our own little idiosyncrasies and things. But it's interesting that sometimes I do say to myself, God, is this good or is it not? You know? <laughs> well, I think, don't you think that's the, the creator? That I mean, I think all creators are like that. There's always an element of self-doubt, which can be either yeah. destructive or it can be very useful if you use it as fuel for your creativity, right? Uh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. You you like living in the deep end, I can tell. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you know, I, it's funny because, like, I, you know, I've been a musician forever since I was a little kid, but then I got into photography. So I'm, I'm a Getty photographer. That's one of my other 10 jobs. And, uh, and I, I it, that's something, like you say, it's very personal. When you're doing it by yourself, you're in the room by yourself, you're in that zone yeah. and you tap, you tap it. You could start feeling where that universe opens a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, now I'm onto something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love that. You know, sometimes when I'm working on a song in, in the mid and I get excited and I start going, oh, OK, and I start moving around, then I'll start another song that's totally different at the same time. Yeah. And I and I bounce back one from the other so that that energy isn't dissipated because I feel there's so much going on and I feel that surge that I, I want. I don't want to stop on one song and push it onto another one. Right. So sometimes I'm working on two at the same time that I love equally, you know. Are and, you the uh, kind of guy that keeps a, like a notepad by your bed when you wake up in the morning, you, you write notes or how does I that do. happen? Or? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of dreams about songs that I always forget the next day. <laughs> yes. And funnily enough, the other night, uh, two nights ago, I, I dreamt that there was this uh, big musical opening night and it was in, Paris or somewhere, and there were people everywhere. And I, next to, and I was in the show, but I don't know, I had a minor part in the show. And then next to me was Paul McCartney, right? Oh, and yeah. I've never met Paul, by the way. And if he's watching this, I'd love to meet Paul. That's my life's dream. But me he too. was next to me. <laughs> and, and he said to me, he said, oh, this musical was really cool, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's, it's great. I don't think it was one I read. And he said, yeah. And he said, but there's another song that they didn't put in in there. He said, and it's it's this song. And he played it for me. Oh, and, and I'm sitting with Paul, and Paul McCartney's playing me a new song. And I go, oh, my God. <laughs> and I said to myself, I've got I to remember I'm this dream. <laughs> I'm going to forget it in the morning. So I wake up. I remember <laughs> Paul talking to me. But I couldn't remember the song. <laughs> How funny. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know what? I mean, I, I can't, like, I've had a lot of those experiences. I remember uh, Mystere, you know, the, the theme of the stage was green and blue and, and whatever. Yeah, and I remember yeah. how I had this really vivid dream that I was standing above a stage looking down on myself playing. Oh, and wow. I. And, and I, I had no idea. I'm like, that's weird. Like, above, why would I be above the stage? So, like, a few months later, I'm playing on a stair in Las Vegas. And the band's on these ledges above the stage. I'm playing, and it, I had that deja vu thing where, like, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, were you always in Mystere, or were you in other ones, too? Well, I was actually, yeah, Mystere is my first show. I was actually touring with Gary Puckett for years. And oh, I did that. 
Yeah, and Frankie Avalon. I was playing with Frankie for many years. Oh, no no kidding. Yeah, so Gary's a oh. sweet. Actually, Gary's going to be another one of my guests here in, in about a week and a half. So. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah well, Gary's a Oh, sweetheart. Actually, yeah, Frankie's almost like my uncle. I've been playing with him since since maybe the early 90s. Uh, he's like my Italian uncle. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a, he's a sweet guy. Yeah. Yeah, and then Gary, person, yeah. yeah, Gary, Gary, um, he's a he's a really nice man. He's a, he's a born again Christian, oh. really, just the nicest guy. He's kind of he's pretty shy. A lot of people don't know that about him. So when you talk yeah. to him, he's kind of a quiet guy. And a lot of people will have different interpretations of that. And I'm like, no, 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 he's a sweetheart. He just doesn't do well in crowds. <laughs> he just, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, what a thrill that would be playing those great songs every night. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, we were talking about the universe, that kind of stuff. Like when you get, when you're so fortunate to have those kind of songs that you have that have touched millions of people, mm. it's like, so, what a gift that is, right? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I agree with you because I don't have any musical training at all, you know? Yeah. And I taught myself everything, the instruments that I play. Uh, and as I said earlier, I, Every day I wake up and I, I go, wow, I'm so fortunate to be doing what I do. And today, I, I or any day, I'm, I can do whatever I want, make my own plan. Right. But I'm, I always spend time working on songs. Even if I don't write a song, I always play because of this gift that I certainly was given, you know. And, and I often think, well, how come I got this? You know, because there's no other musician in my whole family. How come it happened to me? What? Why did it come my way? And I, I really don't know. But I'm so grateful for it because it, it's given me such a great life and it's allowed me to understand life a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, being able to bring joy to so many people in the audience, and I know that they feel feel it and they feel the songs, it's a, it's a great thrill to be giving something to people, especially at this time of my life and career, you know. Mm. Yeah, and especially you have people that get, have gotten married to your songs, have, have yeah. I mean, all that kind of thing. Those memories are, I mean, at, at the end of the day, when, when we leave this planet, that's what we're going to take with us. It doesn't, the money and all the other stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's that, those, yeah. yeah, that's a special gift, I think. You know? It is. And I, you know, I was given those gifts when I, I mean, the Beatles for me are, are my moments in my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I know that people have air supply as, as their special moments when they were going, because I speak to them, we do, you know, as everyone does, we do the meet and greets and they tell us, they talk to us and say, and they might talk about an obscure song that I've forgotten about years ago. And I'll go, oh my God, I've forgotten about that song. And and they keep talking about different songs and then they'll say, you know, two less than people, this, that, and the other, and you go, oh, and they keep reeling them off. And I'm going, wow. That, that's quite, that's quite a legacy, isn't it? Yeah, but and they're sort of and they're sort of talking about your children, right? Those are all those are all your children that you oh, put out into the world. <laughs> and I refer to them like that too on stage. Sometimes I say, "Well, songs are, are like children. You know, they're born, they grow up, and they become uh, an adult, and then they leave, and they go out into the world, hopefully spreading the good feelings for everyone. And that's what happens. Sometimes, you know." The songs that you think are going to change the world don't. You, right. you never, you never know. And uh, but you know, for songwriters like myself, it's it's our job and yourself. It's our job to keep creating and keep moving along, keep doing things. You know.
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And you, and, you know, you're, you're, you spot inspire people along the way, people that you may not even, you touch people's lives that you may not even realize. But down the yeah. road, you know, this little kid will come up to you and say, hey, you're, that song got me inspired to be a musician, got me inspired to be a songwriter. Whatever, yeah. Right? Yeah, I was at a a restaurant the other day, and it was, it was a Mexican restaurant. And it was a restaurant I wouldn't normally go into where you have, you have to go up to the counter and they give you a flag and you go and sit down. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but uh, I just fancied Mexican food and it was in Park City and I went in there and I thought, God, should I just leave? Because I wasn't really into it. And I, so I sat at the table and there wasn't many people there. And then this older gentleman uh, with grey hair, he kept looking at me and he came up and he said, he didn't say hello or excuse me. He said, he said, I love your songs. And that's all he said. He said, I love your songs. And he just walked away. And I thought, wow, I was meant to come here to yep. listen to what he had to say. Yep. Uh, it's like the universe again. You never know, you know. But that him saying that meant so much to me. Um, and it filled me with joy and happiness. And I thought, my God, uh, something that I created has had an effect on his life. And he's right. a total stranger. I'll never even see him again in my life. But for a, a, a 15 seconds we crossed paths and we gave he gave me something and now i'll give something to somebody else and pass that on yeah Isn't and there's there's always a reason why things happen <laughs> there really is there really is and so when things like that happen it just fills you with joy and with love you know it really does that's amazing yeah what 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 advice would you give to young musicians young songwriters especially like what's the what's the things that you've learned along the way that that you'd really come to mind at first like first thought um that if people ask me that and they do quite often i always say follow your passion follow your heart don't listen to all the people that, that try to put you off uh, and i've had my share of those you know people will come to me and say Ah, uh, you're not another one of those silly love songs, speaking of Paul McCartney, uh, <laughs> those drippy, syrupy old ballads, you know. And they'll say, why don't you write something, you know, that's ACDC or something like that. And I think, and they try and put you off, off the rails, and but it doesn't have an effect on me. And I think, well, first of all, uh, I have no choice because that's the kind of music that I write. But I always say to people, follow your passion you know, uh, because only you know it and only you can understand it. And if you can figure out what your passion is, just follow it and people will listen if you give them that and give them pure passion and what you're really feeling in here. Mm. If you yeah, you have, to, that, you have to find, find your truth, right? Find your truth and people will respond to it. Yeah. Truth has this incredible power of being real and of, of showing people who and what you are. And I never forget that. You know, sometimes, you know, people ask me to do a solo thing. Like I I went to play at my local old age pensioners. Uh, they have a luncheon, you know. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I, play, I live in a tiny little town, you know. It doesn't even have a stoplight or anything <laughs> or a store. And they came to me and said, would you come and play at the old age pensioners annual luncheon? And I said, yeah, I'll come and play, you know. And I went and I played and... I was like the minstrel walking around all the tables. There's all these, they're eight plus year olds eating their, you know, their lunch. Yeah. And so cool. And I, you know, I didn't sing the songs perfectly, 
Um, I know I was flat here and there more than I should have been, but it didn't matter because I was, I was so in the moment and I enjoyed it so much. And when I went past the tables, they'd stop like they were, and they would look up and go, oh, you know <laughs> what I mean? And I thought, wow, this is so cool. But yeah, like you're going to get more, you're going to get more out of this than you're giving them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, oh God, I was flat there, but it didn't matter. <laughs> they, they got the message and they, and they came up, they all, every single one came up to me after. There was about a hundred of them. And they said, oh, we, we love what you're doing. You, you know, you're so great. This, that, the other. And they didn't know who I was or anything. Yeah. But I went to play for them and it was so cool, you know. And, yeah. But I, I did what I wanted to do. So being out of tune or playing around chord here and there, it didn't matter. It's just being myself, you know. And I, I've learned to do that, you know. Yeah, touching people too, like especially people like that that are, you know, at the on their their waning years, like just those little moments are so valuable to them. And you get a, you get yeah. a chance to play the part in that. That's great, you know. Yeah, and I thought to myself, God, these people this is their luncheon and you know, after this they're going to go home and sit in a chair all afternoon. Yeah. Uh but I'm able to bring them something. So it's it's a great gift, you know. Yeah. I'm, yeah, guitar is a gift and i always encourage kids younger kids to do that you know learn an instrument play piano do something like that you know right yeah and i mean great great art too is not perfect it's not meant to be perfect it's, it's meant to be truthful and 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 honest <laughs> yeah you're honest yeah honesty yeah honesty as opposed to perfection perfection yeah. is perfection is flawed because it's too perfect <laughs> yeah, it's it's boring. Yeah, you see, you see great art, even if you see like you know Michelangelo or whatever. There's little things, but that that's what gives it its soul, right? Absolutely, yeah, it, it gives it its soul. So, uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> very deep. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're having our our uh, esoteric <laughs> conversation, but that's so important. Like people, you know, it's, when you talk about being an educated musician, sometimes people get at their soul educated right out of them. <laughs> yeah. Music school, right? Or they are. You know, we had a. Uh, a gentleman that played piano for us. His name was Jed Moss. He, he yeah, no, to... Jed. Yeah. Oh, did you know Jed? Yeah, he was a sweetheart. Yeah. Oh my God, he passed away two years ago. Yeah, right. And um, he was probably the most incredible piano player I've ever heard and/or worked with. And mm -hmm. he was also the greatest gentleman I've ever known. And it was so sad when he passed away. But anyway, he would play all these incredible classical pieces. He can play Debussy and Rachmaninoff like it was, you know, simple. And yet, if he had to play Lost in Love with us, he had to read the chart. And it's only four chords. And I say, Jed, you've played this song 500 times. And he say, yeah, but I can't play it without the music. So it, it was, it's incredible. You know, some people have that skill and he can play Rachmaninoff. And it's just tiring to hear Rachmaninoff because it's so beautiful. But everybody's different, you know, and uh, everybody has their skill set and then they have the places where they're not quite comfortable. For Jed, he had to have the music in front of him. That was his comfort zone and he could play anything. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's yeah. different. Everybody everybody has their story and the reasons why they do things. And you, I think as a, you know, as a creative or whatever, you sort of have to find your, you have to find your way to respect what they do and allow them their space to be creative. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Now, you you played bass for Mister, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I was with uh, with Mystere for four years, and we were in Tokyo for another uh, almost five years at Tokyo Disney. We had our show, oh, did so. you learn Japanese when you were there? No, you know what? We always had uh, interpreters, but we actually, my wife worked in the office. She, uh, you met her before. You met her in Mexico, yeah. then you met, yeah. Uh, she, uh, she had, she worked in an office full of Japanese ladies, and she had, she has a really good ear for language. I, I really don't. Right, <laughs> I, right. I'm still working on English. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> When I get English down, that may, that might take another thirty years, and I'll work. I'll move on from there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when when Mike called me and he said, I've, "It's this chap that's doing a podcast," you know, and he said, uh, "You won't remember him." Uh, he came he came backstage in Tokyo. I said, and I straight away I said, "Oh, you mean Craig from from Lake. <laughs> and he went, "How did you know that?" I I, I just have this memory, this vivid memory of you coming yeah. backstage. You know, that's funny. Remember- yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a that, that's a great venue too. I love the Billboard Live in Tokyo; such a great place. <laughs> yeah, it's a great venue, and you know we don't we don't like doing two shows in a night anymore because we did it for so many years. However, we make the exception there, and because we love that venue so much, and uh, we also you know between shows they serve you dinner, you know, so, and it's yeah. always a dinner. But we love that venue because everything there, in particular. It's so organized, you know, they, they have all the techs stand yeah. next to our people and they stand there and everything's, you know, it's going to work and you know, everything's perfect. So we, I love that venue. I'm yeah, sure and as we, as we know on the, yeah. And as we know on the road, that's rare. <laughs> where, right, where everything yeah. works. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to most other venues around the world, you don't, there's a, there's a percentage for sure that it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> or there's a, or there's a rough stage manager or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that rock and roll. That's it's the uncertainty principle, which is great about rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are you you're. Um, I'm assuming I I know you want to go back on the road. Do you have dates already booked or what's coming? We up do for the okay. Yeah, we played four shows in January. Uh, they were uh, with COVID protocol, mm. and we did a live stream. That's why we did it. Great. And then we did the live stream. Then three other shows. And uh, we we have uh, three shows at the end of this month. Then we have a couple in June. Then in July, we're back out full steam. Great. Like, yeah, so, you know, we're going back. And funnily enough, you know, because we, like everyone, we would have been off since March. I mean, it's 15 months. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll be kind of sad to see that time go. I've got used to it. And I've enjoyed doing what I do during that time. But, uh, you know, I will be a little sad to see it go. However, I, I do want to get back out and do what I do best, you know? Yeah. That's, you know, it's awesome um, that you like to tour and that, because I, I, I would imagine at this point, you don't really need to, but I, I think that that's really great that you like to do that, that you still find passion and you're, and you're awesome on stage. You're really dynamic on stage. You and you and, and Russell both. It's really fun to watch you guys live. Oh, thank you. It's very kind of you. Uh, I mean, I think we have a, a good show. You know, people keep coming back. Uh, but, you know, when I come off stage, I'm always saying to myself, God, I should have done this. I should have done that better. I should have done that. But, you know, you're in the moment. Uh, but but we do love to play live. And, uh, of course, we don't need to do that anymore. But uh, it'll be a sad day when we don't do it anymore. Let's, we've done, uh, I think, 5,200 shows in our career and and I just love every night you know you know what it's like when 
the curtain goes up and the music starts. It's yeah, the energy's pumping and the adrenaline's oh, going. <laughs> it's adrenaline, you know. Yeah. It's, that's why people we talk about people doing drugs, all that kind of stuff. Like that is, I mean, that's way more powerful than any drug. <laughs> oh, it, it really is, you know. I mean, you can't you can't beat that. What you know, when I walk out and sweet dreams starts and I walk, I walk out. It, it may be a bit over the top, but I walk out and I go, da-da, you know, <laughs> and the people stand up and you're like, hello world. <laughs> yeah. I'm there and I'm in my body and yeah. my, my whole body is tingling and I'm thinking, oh my, this is, yeah. Who needs drugs? You've got this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> forever yeah and you feel that from you guys like you feel like i mean it's because some bands like you maybe you would say legacy act like they they're just kind of phoning it in but that's not you guys at all like every time i've seen you and i've seen you a number of times now it's always you bring it like like you brought it way back when i mean it's it's there and you're into it and you can tell yeah oh thank you uh we are into it we have a a great band and uh, we have a great young band <laughs> they make us look young i hope but uh <laughs> we have a great band and they're, they're serious, you know, they're serious musicians, but they have a lot of fun at the same time. You know, I, you know, we have fun on stage and often things uh, don't go the way you want them to, or I might forget. Or if I think of a song, if I think of a song coming up, like with Goodbye, for instance, I say I'll be playing the song, then I'll say, oh, Goodbye's coming in in three songs. I'm definitely not going to forget the words to that this tonight. And then, sure, sure enough, <laughs> forget a word. Or, and I'd stand there and I go, and I just smile and I go, hey, whatever. Yeah, it happens. You're human. That's part, you're, You wrote the words. You're allowed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is my new verse I just came up with. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I'm playing a new, a brand new songs, I often do, and I, I'll play it on my own and join the show in my little spot. I'll say to them, you know, I'm playing a brand new song tonight. I hope you like it. Uh, and I may forget the words, but I say, you won't even know, though. I'll just make something else up, you know. And if I get the chords, I'll throw a chord in. Yeah. And, and, and it'll happen, you know, and I'll just... Just I'll, smile. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just sing whatever. And uh, so it's yeah. fun. And people, people respond to that. Yeah, Gary Puck, Gary Puckett would do that. He would just look at me with that, with that smile, the twinkle in his eye. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. I mean, we're so blessed to, to be musicians and to be to do this, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. I have a, such I have the best job in the world. I really do. Yeah, that's awesome. And I you know, it's it's great that you are like that. And I I, I when we first met, that was something I really liked about you, the fact that like you you obviously you know what you've accomplished, which is great, but you, there's a humble thing with you that I that I really admire. And I think it's great that you you make an effort to teach. Um, younger musicians and you talk a lot about that I think it's so important right oh very yeah I mean I, I think it's my lot now you know where I am in my in my age and my career and where I am in my life it's very important to to show other people some things that you've learned and to pass a few things on I, maybe that's just that's what people do at my age you know they try and do that uh, you know I'm trying to avoid sitting in a rocking chair you know I don't have <laughs> But yeah. uh, but I know people my age that do and that are and that's what they do. But I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. I, but I pass some kind of wisdom on to other people certainly. 
Yeah. Well, you have, I mean, you have, yeah, you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of, a lot of great stories and a lot of great stuff to say. And I think it's important to get that out. It's super important yeah. for, for people that, that can learn from what you've done. Um, yeah. How can people find you? Uh, you have your website, right? Is it airsupply.com? Is that... It's airsupplymusic.com. Okay, great. Yeah. And then we're, and we will include all the links and uh, for you guys. And so people can find you, check out your tour schedule upcoming. Oh, That's great. Exciting. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll include that in the podcast description and all that kind of stuff. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I mean, I, and the one good thing about you not being in the road is I'm able to talk with you. So that's, I guess, yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. Well, I think it's been great. I mean, podcasts are so popular now with, with a lot of people. Um, they weren't that popular before COVID, you know. So I think right. looking on the, the brighter side of COVID, if there is one, you know, it's, it's brought people together in a different way. They found other ways to communicate, you know. Yeah, which yeah. Is, is wonderful, and I think they'll keep doing that too. Yeah, I think the live stream and the podcasting, all that stuff is going to grow. It's it's opened kind of a new world, and and I mean the thing is, you reach a global audience with the live streams, which is is amazing. Yeah, and you yeah. have a lot of fans around the world that I'm sure really miss seeing you guys live right now. So that that's a great they, alternative. They do. They get online. We you know we have chats and stuff, and uh, and they miss seeing us, and and we miss playing and seeing them too. You know, there's a lot of fans in a lot of countries that I recognize every time we go there. And, uh, right. you know, it's that person. And it's nice. You know, you kind of have friends all over the place that you, you know, communicate with. It's quite a, it's an amazing thing. Great job. <laughs> yeah, they become the, you're part of the Air Supply family. And I think I think you definitely, I mean, I know I felt that in Tokyo when I saw you guys. It's people feel connected. It's, it's the music that connects everybody. Yeah, it does. So, do you go by Daryl or Craig? That's a funny story. Yeah. So my my, my longtime friends know me as Craig, uh, but there was a trombone player on the East Coast, a jazz player named Craig Harris, and our stuff kept getting mixed up online and mixed up on iTunes. So oh. my but yeah, so my full name is Daryl Craig Harris. So I'm like, I'm just gonna do us both a favor, and I'm gonna use my full name. <laughs> oh, so so what do you prefer to go by now then? Oh, uh, either way, Daryl. Oh, so fine. you use your whole name? Yeah, I've been I've been called worse as I always say. <laughs> so. Yeah, because I always knew Craig before, but then I thought, oh no, Craig's his last name. But then I thought, no, Mike Zerby calls you Craig, so it must be Craig. I know it's a bit confusing. I, can I call you Lord Graham Russell? <laughs> Some people do. I'm trying to steer away from that now. Actually, I know. Actually, I think I, I think I'm trying to be a peasant now. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's super cool. So I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll ref I often I often knight my British friends. I'll call them Sir Andrew or Sir. You know. So. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friends will do that too. You know. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Graham. I really appreciate your time. And oh, my friend. A great time and i do apologize for yesterday but it, i think it was a better time today yeah, yeah hey you know the universe has a reason why it does things so it's all good <laughs> yeah but thank you for understanding and i've had a great great time today it's been fantastic thank you awesome. me as well thank you so much and have an awesome day yeah i look forward to seeing you uh at a show somewhere one of yours or one of mine yeah absolutely yeah definitely yeah next time you come to vegas i'm there for sure yeah oh great all right mate fantastic awesome. thank you so much thank you bye-bye Bye. Thanks for joining us and please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.